We are always thankful to God for opportunities like this to open the doors of this digital venue and then open the pages of this book, the Bible, and at this time we are involved in a study of the book of Acts, one chapter for each class. Today, chapter 5. I'm going to give you four fast facts I often begin with, and then we will read and study together the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. Our fast facts, the beginning of the church, we have record of in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when about 3,000 obeyed the gospel of Christ. Peter and John were told by the authorities not to preach the gospel. Acting under higher authority, they could not stop preaching. After that threat, Christians in Jerusalem were together praying to God to help them preach with even more boldness. Chapter 5. Remember that good man we met at the end of chapter 4, Barnabas, so generous and encouraging to the disciples? Not everybody was like Barnabas. Listen to this in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Luke is an inspired historian who has such integrity such objectivity about his work, he documents both the good and the bad. Luke is not like a public relations agent who is paid to publicize and maybe craft the best image. No, 
He is inspired by the Holy Spirit to report the facts, good, bad, people who make good choices, people who make bad choices. Luke is going to record both. Here are two people who, like other Christians, could make choices and voluntarily give to the cause according to their personal stewardship. There's nothing anymore about a tithe of 10%. For Christians, after Pentecost, it is voluntary giving to the Lord in proportion to what you have. Give all, give part, while you retain ownership, the choice is yours, and the accountability and responsibility belong to you. When Ananias and Sapphira sold some property and made this donation, they kept back something, yet apparently represented their donation as the total. The Holy Spirit knew they had lied. God makes an example of this case in these early days of the church. Ananias fell down and breathed his last. Three hours later, Peter confronted Sapphira, who had conspired with her husband. And we have a report of that. Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? That defines what they did wrong. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now, in this context, two important statements are made in this narrative with respect to the reaction of other Christians. Verse 5, the second phrase, great fear came upon all who heard it. Likewise, verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now, may I make this observation? This is not something that happened every day. This is not something that happens over and over all through the book of Acts. And I cannot point to any cases today where I am certain this has happened. So my conclusion is, God took this action early in the time of the apostles to signal to all, honesty is an expected and an essential mark of discipleship. I'm continuing now at verse 12. From verse 12 over through verse 16. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
So we are back to Solomon's portico. Miracles continue through the hands of the apostles. Remember what these are for. These are to certify that the apostles are authentic divine messengers. Growth in numbers is happening. Verse 14, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Healing miracles provided evidence that the apostles were acting in the name of Jesus, and the power being displayed through them was of God. They preached the gospel, the people knowing they were certified messengers from God, and many responded. The next section is long, but I believe it needs to be read together. 17 through 42. Acts 5, 17 through 42. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a while. And he said to them, 
men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thudius rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. And if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name and every day in the temple and from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I want us to go back to the beginning of this narrative at verse 17 and talk about one word there, the word used there by Luke, jealousy. Most English translations have the word jealousy except for the King James, the phrase filled with indignation, not much difference. And the idea is these religious leaders wanted a following, but instead the people were paying attention to the apostles of Christ. Now, I think it is that simple. The priest and Sadducees wanted people to listen to them and follow them and be loyal to them and their traditions. The people, however, are listening to the gospel and believers are being baptized and the church is growing. So the unbelievers who held power arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. I think the attitude was, we're going to show them. We're going to make an example of them. We'll stop all this preaching. But something happened. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said to them, keep preaching. And when they heard this, they entered the temple and the apostles kept preaching the gospel. Well, guess what? The priest, officers, and the council members were not happy. From that frustration, the officials in Jerusalem issued this decree. I'm in Acts 5 at verse 28. We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So this decree had been issued. Now they say, you remember this decree? We told you not to do this. Now, remember something we learned back in chapter 4. Civil authorities should be obeyed unless they tell you to disobey God. Then you must disobey the humans, but obey God. 
And so verse 29 gives their response. We must obey God rather than men. And Peter then explains further. I'm at verse 30 in Acts 5, 30 through 32. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here again, Peter gets right to these fundamental points that are at the core of the gospel message even today and will always be. God raised Jesus, Peter said. You killed him. Right now, the one you killed is exalted at the right hand of God. And we are witnesses of these things, being moved by the Holy Spirit. Reaction. The leaders were enraged and ready for another execution to take place. Then there was this man, Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. He wanted to add some caution, some thought. He gave orders to send the men outside and I want us to consider what Gamaliel said in verses 35 to 39. He actually cited some other cases where religious cults are movements of men deteriorated and went away. But he said, if this is of God, you better be careful. You don't want to oppose God. So this is caution, thought instead of impulse. Gamaliel says, these uprisings of religious fervor have happened before, and they have failed. But he says, if this is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. You might even be found opposing God. And so we are at verse 39, about the middle of that verse. They took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them, not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. By the way, did you notice what was not said by the authorities after the angel released them? They said nothing more about the miracles. They said nothing about the escape from jail. I suppose that goes to this common political rule. When something cannot be denied, don't make it a point of argument. Say nothing about what can't be questioned. Just pursue your case as if the evidence can be ignored. Acts chapter 5. Takeaways. I want to start our takeaways at the last verse we've read, Acts 5, 42. In my judgment, the strongest verse about evangelism anywhere in the New Testament is Acts 5, 42. The apostles and early Christians, no matter what the risk, even 
jail and death just kept preaching the truth of the gospel. The language says it. They did not cease publicly, privately, in whatever venue or opportunity. If they had internet, they would have used it. They spoke the gospel. We need to ask ourselves, is this our commitment? Look at the imperative in verse 29. We must obey God rather than man. It's a very clear example. When men tell us not to do what God has told us to do, we must obey God, not man. There is in the New Testament no blanket, broad, generic command of civil disobedience at the drop of a hat. This is very specific. When men tell us not to preach the gospel, we never obey them. We always preach the gospel anyway based on our commitment to obey God. Now, what do we learn from Ananias and Sapphira? I think it's very simple, honesty. And all they needed to do was tell the truth. There was no specific amount they had to give, no legalistic percentage. Just tell the truth about what you got and what you're going to give. Also, we learn from them there are no secrets when it comes to God's knowledge of our motives. We can certainly hide things from men and women here on earth, perhaps for a long period of time, but nothing is ever hidden from God. Therefore, forget any idea of concealing anything from God. God knows. Not only the amount we give, he knows all the motives that are part of our giving. God knows not only if we attend the assemblies, he knows why we attend and how much devotion of heart we put into worship and study. God knows not only what we do every day, he knows why we do it and all the thoughts associated with our activities and our words. God knows, well, everything about everybody. Everything about everybody. We take that from Acts chapter 5. I want to express it like this, if you will. If Ananias and Sapphira had lived in our modern digital age, and had they been forced to release all of their emails and all of their transactions on their servers, nothing would have come out that God didn't already know. Concerning the Holy Spirit, remember I said a couple of weeks ago, the further we go through Acts, the more we learn about the Holy Spirit. Well, here in chapter 5, we learn something of significance. The Holy Spirit is divine. In such a true case, when they lied to God, they lied to the Holy Spirit. One more point, please, about how the text instructs us. That if we let our guard down, even briefly, Satan can enter our hearts after we've been baptized. Ananias and his wife devised a plan. It was dishonest, and they suffered the consequence. At some point in their thoughts about this, they let Satan in. The calamity of sin became their immediate defeat. 
That's Acts chapter 5. Next class would be on December the 2nd, Acts chapter 6. Thank you so much for being with us.